Welcome to the Indie Business Podcast, dedicated to helping you break all the rules, build your own corporate ladder, and create the life you love. And now, here's your host, Donna Maria. Yes, yes, yes. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited that you're here. I have such a special treat for you this evening. Thank you so much for joining us, wherever you are. I hope you're having a fantastic day, and I hope you're loving managing your business as much as I am and also as much as our guest is this evening. You may have seen me talking about her on Facebook and on Twitter uh, over the last couple of days, but I'm just really, really excited to introduce you to this amazing person who has such a great story to tell and so many awesome insights to offer you in your entrepreneurial journey. But before we get started, I just want to let you know that we are so excited to just have come back from Indy Cruise. We just came back a week and a half or so ago, and we've already scheduled the next cruise for 2015, and we've already got some registrations. And as you know, we have a limited number of those cruise cabins, so make sure you head on over to IndyCruise.com, have a look around, watch some of those videos, and see how much fun you can have masterminding in Caribbean waters. It's a great deal of fun. Check it out. And uh, if you have any questions, you can, of course, post them right there at IndieCruise.com. Well, let's just dive right into this amazing guest we have for you today. Her name is Amanda Gale. And as you know, we're going to be talking on our show today about how you, as an entrepreneur, an artisan entrepreneur, and a maker, can not only run your business but also collaborate with other people to create ways to help other women who may not have the benefits that we have here in this country to start businesses of their own. It's, you know, it's a lot of work, but I've got to tell you, it's so rewarding. And this woman, Amanda Gale, makes it look like, look like so much fun. She is the founder of loveandsoap.com in Texas, and she teaches soap-making classes and boot camps, and she just has a, a, a wide variety of classes at her website, loveandsoap.com. But not too long ago, her heart was stolen by this idea of being able to help other women in another country through the craft of soap-making. And she's doing that with her partner at the Love and Soap Project, and we are here to tell you all about that this evening and also to give you some tips for how you might be able to start something, whatever kind of business you have, that not only builds your business but helps other people. Amanda, welcome to the show. Hi, Donna Maria. Thanks so much for having me. So, Amanda, just give us like the little bit of a rundown about, about your business, loveandsoap.com, and what it is exactly, and then and then tell us you know, how you transitioned to doing this nonprofit work. We want to hear the story, but we want to get the foundation first about how you started making soap and how you started your business. Absolutely. So in 2008, um, first of all, I'm a serial crafter. I know a lot of soap makers out there uh, know what I'm talking about. You get into jewelry making, you stop doing it, you move on to paper crafting, you stop doing it, you get on to scrapbooking, Stop doing it. And finally, one day at the craft store, I ended up on the soap making and candle making aisle. And in all its glory, the Mountain Pour soap was calling my name. So I bought some, uh, made some Mountain Pour soap, and then soon started researching other ways of making soap and just absolutely fell in love uh, with the craft of soap making. And so soon after that, um, I started teaching classes in Dallas. We were lucky enough to have three suppliers in Dallas who have now closed. Um, but I taught it two of them, 
And I just absolutely fell in love with teaching. And so I started the blog, loveandsoap.com, and it is um, a tutorial-based blog. Um, I'm known for my tutorials, uh, which are full of detailed instructions and images um, on how to create all kinds of different soaps. Um, So I got into teaching and then started doing boot camps. And Marla actually um, asked me to come teach with her in New York. Um, and then I started teaching at conferences and seminars around the country. And so I kind of quit quit selling soap, and now it's just kind of education-based. Right, right. And, that, and that's Marla Bosworth that you're talking about, right? Uh-huh. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. And she's with Backport Soap Company. So, so you started teaching with her, and then at some point she invited you to come with her to teach classes in an entirely different country, right? So you went from New York to where? To Haiti. Uh, she was actually out of the blue contacted by a photographer out of New York, Paula Allen, uh, who had been traveling to Haiti working with a group of women. Um, and one of the women decided that she wanted to learn how to make soap. And so mm-hmm. Paula just simply Googled, found Marla um, as a soap making instructor, and out of the blue contacted her. And Marla, um, as she will tell this story, she paused a little bit and was like, well, yes, but let's talk a little bit more. Um, so they mm-hmm. made plans, and uh, Marla bravely said yes. That's quite a leap to not know somebody and decide to go to a country like Haiti. And then Marla posted on Facebook asking for help if anyone else wanted to go. And um, I volunteered, and she said yes to me going, and the rest is history. And that first trip was toward the beginning of 2013, right? Yeah, our first trip to Haiti was in January of 2013. Uh, It was actually the three-year anniversary of Haiti's devastating earthquake. So it was a bit, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, our first workshop we taught was actually on the three-year anniversary of the earthquake. So looking back at what we've done um, and started with these women, it's, very special that their uh, push for prosperity in their business started on such a day as that. Wow, that that's that, that's meaningful. It's not. I don't think that's a coincidence. Yeah. But you know, I've, I've been following you all, and of course, was so honored to be able to help. Um, you know, do do a small part in helping to sponsor that original trip that you guys took. So right, the pictures you guys came back with were just incredible, and I was just along with, you know, thousands of other people, so inspired by that. And so once you, I mean, what was involved in getting ready for something like that? I know you have, you know, moved on and started the Love and Soap Project, and I want to talk specifically Mm -hmm. about that. But, you know, what was it like to get ready for a trip like that? Was it your first trip to Haiti? Were you nervous? I mean, I I know it's obviously paid off and, you know, it's, it's, it's worth, you know, all the nervousness you had. But tell us a little bit about what you went through to sort of, you know, get yourself ready to go and and have this new and incredibly um, unique experience. Absolutely. So traveling to Haiti was actually my first time traveling outside of the country. So I hadn't even been to Mexico or Canada or France or anything like that. So I think for both Marla and I, it was very, we were both very nervous, even to the point where Marla had kind of asked uh, Paula if she should dye her hair a darker color, just because you don't, I mean, you just, you don't know about the culture and all that. Um, so we were both really nervous. Um, also planning for the conditions of the tent camp, 
uh, the women that we went to work with live in a tent camp, no electricity, no running water, which isn't that big of an issue in soap making. Um, we've been doing it for years and years and years without electricity, but just not really knowing how to prepare um, for what they had available. And again, they're living in a tent camp, um, so we didn't exactly know table setups, classroom setups, anything like that. So a lot of it was just kind of fly by the seat of our pants and adapting when we got there, which I think we did fairly well. Um, we did have the support of Paula, the photographer, um, as far as what to prepare ourselves for. But until you've been been to that kind of place, you really don't know what to prepare yourself for. So lots of planning. Um, traveling to Haiti, uh, they speak Haitian Creole, so we did have to use translators. And you don't normally drive in Haiti. You have a driver that drives you around. Um, so there is a lot of planning involved. Um, but I think uh, we've learned we're ongoing um, to our eighth trip now. So we've got it down pretty well. We've built a network of people that work with us over there. So when we need things, we know who to contact and who to connect with. Amanda, did you say your eighth trip? Yeah, we're on, uh, last year we were in Haiti um, seven times. And then we went to Haiti in January of this year. I'm actually headed to Haiti this Friday with Marla. Mm -hmm. uh, this is going to be Marla's second trip um, to Haiti. And our goal is to be in Haiti every two months. Wow, that is just amazing. So, I mean, you, you, you did go into a situation where you knew little to nothing, and, and you got there, and you guys just, you know, you flew the, you built the plane while you were flying it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> we really did, and we really had to because we just really had no idea um, what we were going to walk into, um, just the situation of the women and how they were living. So tell us how Love and Soap Project was born out of this experience. Sure. So we went to Haiti. We taught soap making. Uh, the workshops went beautifully well with the women. Uh, picked it up very quickly and were able to make beautiful soap. Um, but with any business, you're, they're, they, I definitely realized early on that they were going to need more support if they were going to start a business. It's one thing to make soap or to make a product, but to turn it into a business, it requires, um, you know, business training. So training on how to do pricing, uh, training on uh, batch tracking, marketing, all those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. So what was it like? I mean, when you got there, did, did people know you were coming? Were they already interested? Did they have, did they have an interest in making soap? Or were, were there a group of people already prepared for you? What was that first time like? The first time, they were absolutely prepared for us. They were so excited that we were there. They, we had the luck of being able to use a schoolhouse that's on the same grounds as the tent camp. Um, so we started the workshop with them singing a song and saying a prayer, and it just had such a solid community, and it was very welcoming. Um, so they were very excited that we were there. That, is, that must have been very special to have, have, the, have the prayer and the song at the very beginning there. So... I can only imagine how special that was. So, so when you when you began to talk with them, how did you introduce the topic of not just soap making, but also, 
you know, that you wanted to empower them to use the talent and, and what the artistic, you know, what you were teaching them how to do to generate income. Is that something that you could talk with them about early on, or did you just go the first time and teach soap and bring that up later? How did that get woven into the overall project? Yeah. Actually, Marla um more talking about that because she has a story herself about why she got into soap making um, mm-hmm. to support herself as a single mother, um, which there were a lot of single mothers in our group um, because of the earthquake and just other circumstances in Haiti. Um, so she was able to really connect with them on that level of um, why why they would be interested in doing this, how it's going to benefit them, and uh, things like that. So. Oh, that's so incredible. And so then you brought in some partners and some other collaborators, and the Love and Soap Project came along. Absolutely. Yeah, I brought on Benjamin Aaron, a prairie soap company, um, where I'm good at teaching soap making. He is really good at the business of soap making. Um, So he really catapulted the Love and Soap Project from, I don't want to say it was like a cookie sale on a weekend, but it kind of had that smaller vision. And then when he came along, it just absolutely was catapulted into something bigger, wider, more global. Um, he, Everyone that knows Benjamin knows his favorite saying is what you want wants you. Um, he's very goal-oriented, so he's really helped with our outreach and our, uh, our boldness of our organization. Wow, that is just such such an amazing thing. And, you know, I, I love Benjamin saying what you want wants you. And, um, you know, in our in our world today where we are so connected because of the Internet, and you, you mentioned that um, the woman who originally found Marla found her on Google. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so right, it's amazing right. how um, available we all are to each other and how quickly the word can spread about something like this amazing project that you're doing. So, Amanda, tell us a little bit about the teaching process and how um, how do you teach people? There's a little bit, I know it's not a major language barrier, but there's a little bit of a language barrier. Um, I, I don't know what your, your living quarters were like. How was it to go in uh, for however many days you were there and, and teach people something that they – Obviously, they obviously use so, but maybe they've never, ever had the idea that they could make it for themselves. What was that like, and did you, did you see women just light up? I mean, what was, what was the feeling that they had when you taught them how to do something like this, how to make something so common that they all need themselves with their own hands? Right. So when we went to Haiti, um, we entered the tent camp, and we talked to them a little bit, um, about why we why we were there, um, and then we taught the workshop like Marla and I teach any workshop. Um, we do we did have translators because there is definitely the language barrier, um, and it's actually almost easier to teach with a translator because you have that pause time where you think about your next sentence. And Marla and I were kind of joking about that, like we need to use translators back home, but um, it it was actually pretty easy um, teaching them the process of soap making. Um, one of the most amazing things was the next day after the soap was put to bed, they brought out all the soap, they unmolded it and started cutting it, started passing it around and smelling it, and their faces were just so lit up with pride that they had made. They had just made this product, you know. 
Um, they had made something with their own two hands. And it's almost like they could see instantly that this is something that they could do. This is something that they are going to do, and it's something that's going to hopefully change, you know, their situation there. I love that. That's a special moment when you see that you've empowered someone um, and, and you can kind of see the the feeling that they have and that knowledge that sort of comes across their face. And, and what, what a beautiful thing right. that you're doing there. So Love and Soap Project, you, you're going to be going back again and who knows how many times again and again. And your project that you're working on with your collaborators, mm-hmm. one of the best things about it is that, the business, Love and Soap, is owned by the women in Haiti. Right. So a lot of times you have people that go into other countries and they set up a business where they have the people that live there as workers for their company, Um, of course, trying to find cheaper labor um, and things like that. So what we're doing is a bit different. Um, We go into the country and we're there to support them and we're there to work for, for them. So the cooperative of women actually have ownership of the business, and we are just simply there to assist them in whatever they need and to help them grow a business. That is so great. So you're like the hired help now. (laughs) Yeah, we really are, and we always tell them that when we go. We um, Mm -hmm. always have to stress to them, we are here for you. Tell us what you need. Tell us what you want. Uh, Benjamin had another saying about waving a magic wand. And if you could wave that magic wand and get whatever you want, uh, just tell us what you need, and we're here to make you, you know, succeed and make this um, a prosperous business for them. Yes, yes, of course. And when I say hired help, I mean that in such a good way. You, you are a oh, absolutely, and that <laughs> absolutely. is just a beautiful yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell us a little bit about um, what you've learned. And here we are, we're, we're, we're entrepreneurs. We have, you know, a different kind of business. All of us are different, but we all want to make a difference. And I'm going to ask you how we can help you financially with your project Mm -hmm. as well. But how, how, what, what sorts of things, what, what kind of tips can you offer to those of us who, whether we want to travel internationally or just help here, what sorts of things can you share with us that you have learned along the way that we would want to know if we would like to start an empowerment project similar to what you're doing? Absolutely. So first of all, follow what your passion is. My passion is soap making, so I found mm-hmm. a way to incorporate, to incorporate that into doing something to help others. So follow what your passion is about. Um, if you are, there's lots of people locally that need help, so you don't necessarily have to travel you know, to other countries to help people. Um, so look around locally. Um, if you are wanting to travel to other places, you definitely need to research the country and to which you're going. You want to learn about their daily life, their religion, their politics, everything you can about the people in that country, um, the logistics in the country. Um, if you're doing soap making, you know, our whole goal is to use as many raw ingredients we can find in country and so there was a lot of research that went into that, um, learning what they have to offer, what they can use, and, and things like that. And then also learn the language. Um, we're working on learning the language. We don't know a whole lot, um, but we can say hello, thank you, and different things like that. And that really means a lot to them because it shows them that we're there, you know, to, to service to them and, and to learn uh, from them too. 
Um, Amanda, one of the things you mentioned was being able to use the resources that are available to them. And, you know, I, I would imagine that that's a real um, – well, it can be a real challenge, I guess, depending on where you are. I remember when I taught soap making in South Africa, mm-hmm. as abundant in resources as that country is, it was almost impossible to get right. things already in country. So how did you manage to do that, it, it, not necessarily just for teaching, because you could have gotten mm-hmm. things – Donated, um, maybe, right. maybe not. But but once you're gone, where, where do they get the supplies? Did you source them for them? Do they have to? Do, can yep. they get everything that they need locally there, which would be so great? Right. So Haiti presents a very big challenge. Um, they don't have a lot of the oils that we need for soap making. Mm. Um, they do produce castor oil. Uh, they do produce certain essential oils. The problem that we found is that Haitian businesses aren't they don't really get excited about breaking down what they have that they export to the U.S., to France, to the U.K., uh, for Haitians to use in countries. So we've actually had, that's been one of our biggest challenges um, Mm -hmm. with what we're doing in Haiti is finding local ingredients. And so Mm -hmm. right now um, we are still sending ingredients. We found another nonprofit that we're working with that ships containers to Haiti. And so we fill it up with... um, with oils and stuff that they need. However, there are some things they do find in Haiti that they can use. Um, they're using different uh, powders and spices and local botanicals in their products. Um, so that's been good, and that kind of helps uh, with the label of it being from Haiti and made with uh, local resources. But we are going to find all the ingredients in Haiti. That's one of our goals as an organization is that we are going to accomplish that. We are going to get it done. Um, it's something we're continually working on. Uh, and we have lots of leads that we're working on. It's just it's been much more difficult than we originally had thought. Um, so we're just continually working on that. But that is part of the goal as an organization is that wherever we go and teach, we are using local ingredients from the community or from the country. Amanda, how do the women, once they make the soap, how do they find a market for it? Are there places that uh, that it's that are natural fits for them to be able to sell their products? Yeah, so the soap from Haiti, um, we actually started off making two different types of soap. They're not going to sell the nicer soap made with coconut oil, olive oil, castor oil um, to other Haitians because they're just not going to pay the price that's going to be needed, you know, to cover the cost of the soap. And so we taught them how to make a an expensive soap using a manteca kind of product, almost like a lard. They have a vegetable product, kind of like shortening, and then also an animal product. So we taught them how to make soap with that. Um, they're going to make their, the most money by exporting the soap to the U.S. Um, or markets in the U.K. and France, places like that, where they it kind of turns into a boutique type of product. Um, there's all kinds of businesses in the U.S. that um, – have this sort of, um, um, where they go to other countries to purchase products. So we're working with exporters. Uh, Creative Women of the World is one, um, and there's several that deal with this kind of product. So we're not having too many issues with finding in buyers. Um, the biggest thing has been them setting up their business, setting up their organization um, to get things really going as far as production. Amanda, are they using any 
uh, technological tools like Facebook to attract people to what they're doing? I know you are, but um, are, the, are the women mm -hmm. there, is that something that they have access to on a regular basis, or is it more of a challenge to get that? That's more of a challenge. Uh, we're actually working with two groups, and both groups are very different. The first group is Ofeda, who's in Port-au-Prince. They live in the tent camp. Um, the second group is a group that's actually supported by the Methodist Church, and so they have a better uh, support system that's helping them do those kinds of things. Uh, part of what we're going to help Ofeda do is uh, the marketing, the Facebook, building their business with all the social media, the website. They actually do have a website, afraida.com. Um, but as far as social media, that's not something they can uh, really do at this time. They don't have Internet. Most of them don't have Internet. They don't even have elect electricity. Mm -hmm. So that is definitely a challenge with what they're doing, but that's something that we're going to help them with. And tell us a little bit about Ofeda and, and where we can go. Can you spell that for everyone and let us know exactly okay. what that is? Yeah, so it's Ofeda.com, and it's O-F-E-D-A.com. And the whole um, the whole build, uh, organization of Ofeda, it's actually made up of about 200 women, and their whole concept is to create smaller businesses, within the organization. So they started with a card embroidery business, which includes 15 to 20 people. And then they added the soap making business, which includes about 20 people. Um, they added a knitting business where they knit hats. Um, so all of these products that they're making are available on that website. And it's a really neat concept because they're trying to interweave the businesses. So the women that are making soap, maybe another group like the um, – the embroidery business can make packaging, you know, special packaging for the soap. Um, so it's real interesting the way they're doing it, but you can learn more about them on Ofeda.com. Super. And, you know, one of the things that you shared with me um, before this evening was, was how mm -hmm. amazingly, uh, you know, prideful and, you know, the dignity that, that these women experience once they've taken some classes from you and, and uh, Benjamin and, you know, talked with Marla and just sort of seen a whole new way of looking at their lives. Can you share with us a little bit, do you have any stories of individual women that you can share along those lines? Yeah, so by by earning an income, uh, the women are able to do so many things, having money. They're able to pay for education for their children. So in Haiti, most of the schools they go to, you have to pay for Um so by earning an income, they're able to educate their children. They're able to pay for medical care for their families. They're able to pay for food, um, for shelter, for all these different things. And so our goal is for the women to earn an income so that they can move out of the tent camp. Um, and we actually have one woman, Garmin, and I'm hoping that on this trip I can go take pictures to show everybody, but she got a little piece of land where she's building a house. Um, so what we're doing, I think, is really working, um, and it's really, it really is helping these women change their lives. Wow, that must be just so amazing to see. And you guys have the nicest pictures. Oh, thanks. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, it, it makes me really think about how, um, you know, there's a quote, I can't remember it off the, off the top of my head, but it's, 
it's about how when you teach a person how to do something that sort of helps them lift themselves up, it's a great thing. But when you teach a woman how to do it, you really are teaching her entire family and the entire community. You are, and what we've found by researching how to help people in these situations is that when a woman earns an income, she puts most of it back into her family and her community. Um, so by by teaching these women, by you know providing them with a trade, um, we really are changing whole families and whole lineages um, in the families. Yeah, it, it's just it's just amazing how that happens. Now, you have how many trips planned with the Love and Soap Project for this year, Amanda? For this year, we were, like I said, we're trying to be in Haiti every two months. Uh, we're also expanding into Africa, and we're going to Uganda in July. We're working with Project Lydia, um, which is an organization that has a group of women. Uh, and right now they're doing beading, sewing, other things like that, and so they want to add soap making. Um, and we're hoping to expand um, every year into a different country because um, there's plenty of these groups around the world uh, that need help. That need help. And soap making is just, it's one of, I mean, I can't think of anything better because it tackles two issues of poverty. Number one, hygiene. Mm-hmm. We offer them something, you know, to clean with, to tackle um, hygiene-related illnesses and, and things like that. But then it's also the business aspect of it and empowering women. So it's, it really tackles two big issues of poverty, and it just works in any community because you don't have to have electricity um, or running water or anything like that. So it's something that can be adapted pretty much anywhere in the world, I think, as long as you can find ingredients. Amanda, what sorts of needs do you have right now? I know you said you're leaving in just a few days to go back to Haiti again. Um, I would imagine that you need um, different sorts of things. Do you need supplies? Do you need money? Or are you looking for people in the future to go with you? Tell us what your greatest needs are and how we can help you meet them. Yes, our greatest needs right now are, just to be completely honest, it's funding. Um, we need the money to pay for travel, for supplies, for ingredients, um, for our translators, for our drivers, uh, for consultants that we um, you know, we have to pay a lawyer, um, just an accountant, all these different things. Uh, we've actually built up a wonderful community of people. We have lots of supplies that are donated. Um, Wholesale Supplies Plus, WMA just donated about $2,500 worth of raw ingredients um, that are on their way to Haiti right now. Um, but it's just a continual thing because right now they're not selling the soap. They're still practice. They are selling some of the soap but especially for the second group in MESAC, there's a learning curve when you're making soap. You have to learn how to do it, how to get production right. Um, You know, so we do have to continually provide raw ingredients for them up to a certain point. Um, So funds are probably the main thing we need. I have a great group of teachers uh, that are available to go. Benjamin, uh, Marla's going back um, this Friday. Mm -hmm. Um, one thing that we definitely need help with is people that are willing to donate services. So um, mm-hmm. we have a team that we've built that help with social media. Um, we're looking for someone that does video production. Mm-hmm. Um, we're looking for, we always need accounting help, um, different things like this. So anything that's needed to run a business, because we are approaching this, we are a business, um, 
you know, a not-for-profit business. But those are all the things that we need help with. So the main thing is funding, and mm-hmm. we do have um, donation forms on our website, loveinsertproject.org, where people can go and donate. Uh, they, we, our biggest way to help is by signing up for our monthly donation program because then you're providing recurring monthly support that we can kind of count on. And um, and for as little as $10 a month, you know, which is like two cups of coffee from Starbucks, um, you know, you can really help support our projects and what we're doing in Haiti. And I went to your website, and if you go to loveandsoapproject.org, you can see um, the different ways that you can contribute and that recurring payment is certainly so easy for everyone. It's, it's, like, it's almost like a service that you're providing to make it easy for us to be able right. to help you. So that's a great way to do it. And you also have some badges and some, some code um, photographs mm-hmm. and things that people can put on their websites as well to show that they're supporting you, right? I do. And another thing I forgot to mention is if you sign up for the recurrent donation, we are publishing a e-zine uh, with tutorials and articles from people in the industry kind of as a thank you uh, for signing up for that. And so that's kind of a perk for signing up for that program. But you actually, not only do you get to help with what we're doing, but you actually get something back and you get some great advice um, from people in the industry. I noticed that. I was going to ask you about yeah. that too. What a great, what a great way to um, to thank everyone and also to help spread the word about what you're doing as well as what the people mm-hmm. who are helping you are doing and how they're how they're helping. It's a great example right. for others to follow. Good. Thanks. So you you have um, you know in addition to this you're still running your business right? I am I do um, <laughs> some making classes in Dallas and Austin and hopefully if uh, Marla asks us again we'll be in New York again um, and I also um, write ebooks and lots of blog posts blog tutorials um, and stuff like that so yeah I am doing that I, I've kind of been slacking a little bit on that um, Love and Soap Project has really taken over every part of my life right now, but I'm getting back to blogging, um, getting back to writing, and uh, doing more classes this year, so that's exciting. <laughs> and squeezing some sleep in every now and then? Yes, every now and then. <laughs> A couple hours <laughs> here and there. <laughs> wow. Well, you know, this has just been a wonderful conversation with you, Amanda, to learn more about what you're doing, and I want to make sure we've covered everything. We've we know where to send everyone to the org, where they can learn more about what you're doing and they can subscribe to that new publication by signing up to help you financially. And, you know, we can also just blog this, right, if someone, you know, whether someone financially supports or not. If you have a blog, right, you can write Absolutely. an article about what and you're doing and share it with your friends and spread the word that way too, right, Amanda? Absolutely, and we can provide stories and content and pictures, interview questions answered, um, if that will help spread the word. Um, and that's a bit, and I forgot to mention, but that's a huge part of what we're doing as an organization. Is one of the things the women have told us is we want to tell our story. Um, you know, here we really have no idea how women in that situation live. I mean, they're living in a tent camp with no privacy, no protection, no security. We have absolutely, some of us just can't even fathom that. I mean, how can you? And so we act, we had um, somebody go on 
the last trip who actually interviewed the women and collected their stories, and that was something they asked for. So any help in spreading the stories and spreading what we're doing, spreading how our sisters in Haiti are living um, is really going to almost do more service uh, to them or just as much service as what we're doing, teaching them and helping them start the business. Now, Amanda, where do we go to get those stories? We're still working on getting them out there. We do have some stuff on our uh, website, loveandsoapproject.org, our blog. And if anybody wants to email me, my email address is amanda at loveandsoapproject.org, and uh, I can provide all kinds of content um, if you want to do a blog post or anything like that. Definitely make sure you email her. And then also you're on Facebook, so you can go and like their page and get regular updates, too, about what you're doing, right? Absolutely. You can find the link on our website. I think it's just facebook.com slash project. Yes, and, you know, I, I was on the Facebook page um, earlier this week, and, uh, you know, I just have to ask a question about these uh, glasses or these, or these goggles with the um, – <laughs> I mean, I, I think yes, I saw um, was, Benjamin with one on, and then I saw lots of people, yeah. and I just have to ask what that is. This is It looks like a leopard spot. It, what are those? Yes. So that was something absolutely brilliant that Benjamin came up with. He was driving with Marco, our driver, and he saw there's all kinds of street vendors, people carrying stuff around, and he saw a guy carrying those around, and he was like, Marco, stop. I need to get those glasses. And so what they are is they're no-fear glasses. So anybody wearing them, it's their time to talk and their opportunity to express concerns, to express fears, to express anything that they want to talk about. Um, and while they're wearing them, they have no fear. They have to speak whatever's on their mind, um, and it's their opportunity to talk. And so now that they have them on all of the trips we've been going on now, uh, we'll kind of we'll teach our workshops. We'll come to the end where we're all sitting around talking, and they'll bring out the glasses and pass them around for anybody that wants to talk. Um, and they're absolutely using those. We just thought, you know, it was a great tool. It was kind of funny, but we had no idea that they were really going to watch on to them and use them again and again and again. So that's been really great to see. Yes, I would say they're using them again and again and again because I was scrolling through the pictures and I was like, "Well, are they? Is that Photoshop? Are those real glasses?" So, kudos to Benjamin no, for having an amazing them. sense of humor. Uh, in in addition to working so well with you and your other collaborators and just just your whole team on creating this, congratulations on a job well done Thank and you. even just only barely started because you guys have just yeah the surface of, of, of the amazing things that it's clear you're going to be doing over the next several years. Right, and I think that, you know, part of what's made what we're doing um, just kind of grow the way it has is just the community that we're building. Um, people, you know, they, they donate money, they donate supplies, but then it's also an exchange of ideas and networking, and, uh, you know, that's something that we're really trying to make Love and Soap Project a community of people that want to help join together, and we're, I think we're really doing that. Well, I, I definitely think you are. Um, community is a big, uh, it, it's a big general word, but what I see from your Facebook and from your website and just from the projects that you've had, I know you had a Valentine's Day promotion where so many people mm -hmm. donated things, and even you just mentioned um, yeah. 
wholesale supplies plus donating thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is what you're doing. You've created a community where people who will never meet each other can have the privilege of helping people um, in, in another community who need help. Right. And not only that, that they just appreciate it so much and are really taking that help and making something special out of it for their families and for their communities and really for the world. So congratulations to you. I look forward to seeing what you do um, continue to do in Haiti as well as in the other countries that you mentioned. Thank you. Thanks. I really appreciate you having me on to talk about it and uh, and for sharing it with uh, your community that you built. So I appreciate that. My, my pleasure. Go to lovinsoapproject.org. Make sure that you take a look at the opportunities to contribute financially and pay special attention to the opportunity to sign up for recurring monthly payments to help out with their needs. Also check them out on Facebook at facebook.com slash project where you can stay up to date on a regular basis on Facebook right there in your news feed. Easy to see these fantastic pictures and um, send Amanda an email, maybe ask her how maybe we can order some of these cool glasses because no fear glasses, we all need those. <laughs> I love that so much. So, um, again, loveandsoapproject.org. And you know what? If you're in Texas and you want to learn how to make soap, uh, you're you're near Austin, right, Amanda? I'm actually near Dallas, but I also go to Austin to teach, both Dallas and Okay, that must have been what I saw because I think I saw some closest class in in Austin. So, Dallas, Austin, Mm -hmm. if you want to learn how to make soap from a master, check out loveandsoapproject.org. Dot org and make sure you sign up for one of Amanda's classes. Thank you so much for joining us, Amanda. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining, too. I hope you've been inspired to, you know, think even bigger, think more entrepreneurial in a larger way about your business. How can you use your business to serve not only your own needs, but maybe even to help people around you or even across the world with the needs that they have? It's a great thing to be able to do with your business. Thanks, everyone. Have a great night. Bye-bye. The Indie Business Podcast is powered by the Indie Business Network. For more information, visit www.indiebusinessnetwork.com.